good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I want to talk to you a little bit about our intent here in Revelation, or give you an explanation of the intent here of going through Revelation, uh, the whole idea. Um, our intent is to, to read and study, you know, the Bible. That's what we're trying to do. I, I had a question come up, and I just want to make sure that we're all on track and that everyone understands. My intent is to read and study the Bible, get what lessons we can, even from Revelation, get what lessons we can that we can apply in our daily lives. <clears throat> in our daily lives. You know, what, what can we take away? What's our takeaway from Revelation that we can use that either encourages or edifies us now? I'm not trying to prophesy or tell the future, but I am reading the Bible. I am reading what's in Revelation, and I know some of that is because it's it's written the way it is. It's it's uh, when John had this vision. This was a vision, uh, at least in part. The biggest part of it is in his future, and so it's written in that way. And so when I read it, that's the way it comes across. Now, some things, some would say that some things in Revelation have already happened and some things have not. Some would say everything in Revelation has happened and some would say very little or very maybe none has happened. Some would say Revelation is so figurative and full of symbolic language that we just can't even decipher it or figure it out. Those are all viewpoints on Revelation that I've looked at and and kind of, you know, uh, discussed and kind of, you know, kind of went over, you know, since uh, since this question came up of, you know, because I was reading parts of it and it sounded like I was, you know, reading stuff like this is what's going to happen in the future. Well, that is the way it's written. And that is what, you know, we're told in Revelation that these are events that are going to happen. However, I want you to understand I'm not actually trying to say that I'm prophesying the future or that I'm reading the future out of Revelation. I'm just reading the scriptures as they are, okay? And then I'm trying to get what we can get out of that. If that means, hey, I, you know, we shouldn't be like these people. We should be more repentant. We should be more open to God. We should help teach others so that they do not go through these types of things. You know, that type of, that type of, uh, um, lesson is kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, something that helps edify us and encourages us. Um, so I'm not trying to get into the speculation of all these different uh, doctrines either. These these ideas that people have that are ideas that they, things they have been taught from various different people. I don't know these things. I don't know these doctrines. I, I you know, there's been a couple of doctrines thrown about premillennialism and AD 70 and those are two different viewpoints on two different you know ends of the spectrum is my understanding um, I don't really have a viewpoint on those doctrines because those are not my doctrine my doctrine is the Bible and that's all I'm doing is just trying to read the Bible and explain that I, I have no special knowledge of the future or events I only have what is in our Bible what's in Revelation now, Revelation is, like we mentioned, it is very symbolic, and it's written using a lot of imagery. I'm not going to claim to understand all that. I have mentioned certain things that I have read about that sounded plausible and reasonable, but at the end of the day, I am not God. Any mysteries or hidden things here in Revelation, they're, you know, they're in God and the Bible. They're not... You know, it's not something that I'm trying to in any way present. I'm not going to add anything to the scriptures, and I'm not going to take anything away from the scriptures. However, I think all of this revelation, regardless of how you look at it, I think all of it is of value to us. Kind of like we say in uh, the scripture in Timothy, where all scripture, you know, comes from God, and it's uh, it's good for you know, teaching and, and education and correction and proof, reproof and, you know, all of those things. It's good for us to learn and know these things. So I think there is value here. I think there's all, I think all scripture has value.
So we want to take what lessons we can from the scripture, from the book of Revelation, and apply that to our daily lives as best we can. You know, a large and consistent lesson from Revelation is that we need to repent for wrongdoing. We need to correct our ways. We need to make sure, like the letters to the churches, we need to make sure that we and our congregations are acting according to God's word. That we are actually not just hearers of the word, but that we are doing the word and performing God's word. We need to make sure that we're repenting for our wrongdoing and that we're teaching others and leading them to repentance. If any of these things happen to actually be in the future, if any of these big catastrophic events happen to be in the future, for real, then we don't want people to suffer through those things. Now, and, and I'm saying if. I'm not trying to tell you one way or the other. The way it reads, some of these things do sound like they're in the future, but even if it's all symbolic and it has all happened already, even so, it is still representative of the trouble and anguish caused by people's sin and by their stubbornness and refusal to repent and turn to God. And we want everyone to be saved just as God does. So we, we want to relieve them of that trouble and anguish and, you know, self-inflicted pain of sin, which is basically what a lot of sin is. So we want everyone to be saved as God does. And we want to gather the lessons we can out of Revelation, you know, and, and use that in our daily lives. That's the whole point of the whole Bible in my opinion, is that God is communicating things to us to teach us things that we can use just daily, all the time. So that is our intent. Okay, that's our intent. Plain and simple. We are not trying to prophesy the end of the world or try to tell you, like I'm not going to try to tell you who the beast is or the whatever that the, the prophet of the beast is or any of that there's there is one there is one um, definitive well there's a few there's a few definitive people or maybe not even people but beings or some such mentioned but I don't want to get ahead of myself and get into all that but like we know Satan is mentioned and the the scripture goes to great detail to make sure that you know that they're referring to Satan um, so, I mean, in that sense, we know that he is definitely mentioned. Uh, I believe that Rome is mentioned, and there's a kind of an imagery that goes with that. We'll, we'll get, when we get there, we'll deal with that. Uh, so all of these are things to think about and realize that um, all of this is very uh, symbolic. That doesn't mean that everything is totally symbolic, but it could be. I, you know, I don't know for sure. I kind of doubt it, but that's because of some of the things I'm reading. But, but here again, I don't know. I'm not claiming to absolute 100% know. Okay. So our intent again is to read this and learn what we can and use that in our daily lives. Okay. That's our whole intent. Anything else we learn, if we do learn what some of the symbology is or any of that, that's wonderful, that's gravy, that's icing on the cake. But I wasn't really looking for that because I, I don't worry about the end times. I, I don't worry about that. I believe God will take care of us. So, that being said, now I'm going to continue on. Now the rest of this will be discussion of information and questions about things and just things to think about. I do not have the answers. The answers, they reside with God and the Bible, God's Word. Still, I would like to mention these things, so if you're interested and you want to understand, uh, like, my uh, just viewpoint, so that you'll understand that, if that helps you to understand me better as a presenter, then, you know, just stay with me, and you can listen to the rest of this. Now, as to the doctrines that we mentioned. I want to make sure I'm clear. I want to say it again. I have no doctrine except the Bible. Um, God's Word is what we're reading and seeking to understand. 
I do sometimes look at other things. Sometimes people, other people, help explain things very well. However, if someone in explaining something is adding to the word or conflicting with the word or doing something of that kind of nature, then I, I don't, I don't uh, accept that and I don't follow that. You know, could I accidentally, uh, by mistake, believe some, someone has said, yes, we're all, we're all human? Yes. But I would not knowingly or purposefully believe anything just because I read it or just because someone said it. Uh, I need to see it in the scripture. I need to see that and understand it. So getting an explanation of scripture is fine. But if, you know, but if you know, like if you know one plus one equals two and someone tells you in a commentary that one plus one equals three, well, we know that's wrong. That's already wrong. We, we can move on. Now, it doesn't mean they have everything wrong just because they have something wrong. We all are human and we have, we make mistakes and we have things in error, but, um, it has to prove out in the scriptures is what I'm really getting to. Whatever, whatever anyone says or when they explain and they, they try to go in and, and ex clarify things in the, in the scriptures, it has to make sense and go along with the scripture. You can tell when something doesn't make sense. So that's, that's it as far as doctrine. I've not read up. I did, I mean, I did a little research on these doctrines just so I would kind of understand what people are talking about, but it's not something that I'm really uh, heavily familiar with. So I only just did like a little cursory thing so I would understand. Uh, it sounds like, and I'm going to say it sounds like because I'm going to do some generalization. The premillennialism basically believes that uh, most of Revelation has not happened and that it's end time judgments. And that's the way a lot of it reads, so I can't blame them if they think that. Other people um, believe in this AD 70, and they, and that's AD, like Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, 70. And they believe that all this is really already occurred and finished back in A.D. 70 with uh, Rome sacking uh, Jerusalem and Israel and all that. Okay, So um, I think I'm somewhere in between. There are things that, uh, that I'm not sure about. Uh, I don't think everything has happened because Jesus hasn't come back yet. So I don't think everything has happened, but nonetheless, nonetheless, let's keep an open mind to it and let's, let's move forward and, and, you know, let, let God teach us out of his word. So revelation, it reads mostly as future prophecy because for John, it is or was for him. It was definitely future is all of it in our future. I don't know. I really don't. I look at Revelation uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Look at the very first verse. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place in their entirety. And um, there's another translation. Let me go to a different translation because it does read slightly differently in different translations. I, I hate to say that, but it's true. Um let's see so because here it reads differently in the new king james version it says which must shortly take place meaning sounds like it's going to happen soon but if you look at the greek word for that that word also implies quickness so it could be that once these events start happening that they will happen quickly not that they're going to happen really soon, like, you know, like John's saying, oh, it's going to happen really soon in the next few days or a few years, which, uh, you know, I'm just putting that out there. I mean, it's something to think about because that word does imply a certain amount of quickness. And if we, uh, if we look at what Jesus said, if we go back to Matthew, one of the things you can kind of relate to this is Matthew chapter 24 where the disciples are asking Jesus about some of these things. All right, 
And he tells them that the temple will be torn down and, and there shall not be one stone left on top of the other. But, you know, and they ask him, well, when, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So, now there's a couple of, now there's, he, he answers this in, in quite a few different ways. Um, and maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but, um, there is a place where Jesus is speaking and saying that these things will happen. Yes, it's Matthew twenty four thirty four. Matthew twenty four now verse thirty four. Assuredly I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now some people take that as all these things will happen to the disciples and them sitting right there, right then at that time. However, the translation could also be that whenever they see these signs, because he says, read this in full context, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. In other words, you're reading the signs. You're seeing what's happening. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, and he means this generation that sees these signs, that knows it is near, that that generation, whatever generation that is, whenever that occurs, um, they will by no means pass away till all those things happen. So, it can, the Greek word for shortly can apply to quickness, meaning things are happening quickly, not necessarily that it's going to happen soon. Now, it can be soon, and it could be that for John, uh, a lot of things in the Revelation prophecy did happen Soon now, soon being a relative term, what is what is shortly or soon to God? I cannot answer that, you know. Or again, does it mean quickly once it starts? Which is another translation of that, and it's possible that that could be that that word is actually implying a quickness of things. Once you see these signs, know that it's near and it's going to happen, and it will happen quickly, you know. Um, Jesus also tells them, of course, about his coming, that no one knows the day or the hour. And, uh, you know, and a number of things. If you, there are correlations between Matthew 24 and Revelation. Now, Matthew 24 is more of a condensed version, okay? So, but there is some things to that. Now, we also read in Revelation 1-7, Chapter 1, verse 7, let me go back there and read this to you correctly. I do not want to, uh, you know, totally missay it. That would be rude. All right, so, behold, he is coming with clouds, and he's coming with the clouds in the clouds. Every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Now, this is in the first chapter of Revelation saying that, this is something that's coming. This is what's going to happen. Now, he doesn't say when, and he doesn't say that that's necessarily going to happen shortly or quickly. But, you know, he does mention that. He says, this is after he does John to the seven churches. He says, grace to you, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins, to him be glory and honor and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he says, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. So that's part of his introduction, but at the same time we have to realize that he's reminding us that Jesus is going to return. And as a part of this, when I see um, the very first verse, and he says things which must shortly take place, that could be quickly take place rather than shortly, but nonetheless, if it is shortly instead of quickly, then uh, then those things would not include the return of the Lord. Because we know that 
I, I fervently believe that Jesus has not returned yet. Anyway, let me continue on. So Jesus is returning, though. We know that he will be returning. We may not know the day or time or hour or anything like that, and I would not ever claim anything like that. But that could mean that all of this is something that occurred in the past, ex except for the return of Jesus, and that this is imagery and um, not something that we should take in a literal sense for, our fu for the future. Okay, it is possible. Or is some of this still in the future to happen? Because I, some of it really sounds and reads like it is, and I'll explain that as we go. But I don't know where that line is drawn, and we, you know, it's hard to be sure. Where is that line drawn? Where do we turn the corner between what has happened, what will happen, you know? I, I, I don't know where that line is. I haven't finished reading Revelation and uh, and I've read Revelation before, and I still <laughs> I'm still unsure where that line would be. So we may not get a definitive answer to that, because that that's really not my intent anyway. But I, I do want to discuss these things. So I admit I, I do not know where that line is drawn, um, because I don't. I just don't know. You know, referring to Revelation in Matthew 24. You know, these are these are prophecies. At those times, for those people, these are future prophecies. It did not happen if we count it as being like the destruction of the temple, which definitely Jesus mentioned the destruction of the temple. We know that did not occur till I think that did happen in AD 70, till Rome basically destroyed it. So that was definitely a prophecy for them. Now, Matthew 24, being a condensed version, does seem to correlate to Revelation in some ways, in a lot of ways, which does make some sense, and especially if you think or believe that they both mention or discuss some of the same historic things. But even if you don't, even if you believe some, like some things sound like they may be in the future, this still sounds like they may correlate, because Jesus mentions tribulation Revelation mentions tribulation, you know. But some of these things have occurred. Destruction of the temple has occurred. Um, of course, Israel was, uh, I guess, basically destroyed as a nation. So some of these things have occurred. Um, but I'm not sure what has occurred and what has been fulfilled and what has not. Some of it is kind of, as I say, some of it's fuzzy. And we have to remember, in the same conversation with the apostles, Jesus also mentioned, because they asked the question about um, when he, how they would know his return, and he said, of course, no one will know, but he, they also asked about the end time. And he talked about that. So these are things that we need to be aware of, um, and for, like I said, for Matthew 24:34, when you look at that, that can be interpreted two different ways. And one could be that those present, that generation that was present sitting with Jesus, that they would not pass away until all that occurred. Or that once someone saw the signs of what was happening, then those who were alive at that time would not pass away until all the events had happened. So it depends on how you interpret that and how you read that. And looking at different translations and then going back and looking in the interlinear, there, there is some there is some room there for for trying to understand which way that was intended. Part of me believes due to the context and the way Jesus spoke about looking for the sign in the fig tree, that he actually meant that as the second idea, where those who see the signs um, should be aware that those events are going to happen quickly, and they will not pass away until they finish, whatever time that occurs, even if it occurred back then, or if it has yet to occur. And it still could have. It still could have occurred in the past. So I'm not saying it didn't. Again, I'm not trying to give anything definitive like that about something that I have no way of really being sure.
So it's a slight, but it's a meaningful difference between those two interpretations. Because one, what does allow that to possibly be at some point in the future, it could still be in our past, but it would still very much be in the Apostles' future, and possibly beyond their lifetime. Anyway, I do want to mention, though, that I said I, I think that Jesus, I think it's meant in the second way, but I do want to warn you, I want to make sure that we, we realize I'm saying that's what I think. From reading and looking at the way that is in context, that's an I think. You, you really need to read, <laughs> you really need to read and study for yourself. You really need to make sure because just because I say I'm reading it in context, I'm still human, doesn't mean I couldn't make a mistake. So, now, moving on, in reading some of the events, okay, I cannot say, like we're talking about Revelation, we're talking about reading some of the events in Revelation. Now, I cannot say that all these events have occurred. Um, now, I've, I've looked at this and, and talked to some about this, now we go to, let's see, I think it was in, now when we go to chapter 4 of Revelation, let's see, oh well let me, let me, let me finish this thought here, I'm kind of jumping around again. So, I can't be sure that some of these events have happened or could even possibly have occurred in Jesus' time, in Roman times, or since then to now. Okay, because that's the time we're talking about. We're talking about they would have had to occur then, back during those times, or between then and now, for it to have happened in the past. So, for us to discuss that, there's one thing in particular that's in the early chapters here, and that is um, the sixth seal. And that is in, is that in chapter 6? It might actually be in chapter 6. Let me see here. I'm just scrolling through really quickly. Yes, okay, so let's go down and find the sixth seal. Now, now I've looked at some of these seals, and some people can explain some of these away. Like, the first seal, the conqueror, um, some even say that's Jesus, or it represents Jesus and the church being established. Uh, the second seal, now I'm going over these quickly, I'm not reading them in detail, we'll be here forever. So I'm trying to shorten this, but definitely look at these, this is in Revelation chapter 6, okay? Then the second seal has to do with war on the earth. You could easily say that we've already had a ton of wars, and uh, okay, I, I would not say anything about that. Um, I could not, I guess what I'm saying is I could not refute that in far, as far as I can see, because we have had <laughs> plenty of wars, world wars. The third seal has to do with um, famine and uh, that sort of thing. We have had famines. We have had times where food was scarce and, and very expensive and different things. So for those who would say that's already occurred, that is a possibility. That is a possibility. I cannot deny that that would be a possibility. Now, mind you, I'm not trying to justify anything either way. I'm just trying to understand the word, so I'm trying to figure things out as we go. And then the fourth seal is widespread. You know, it's like a big, uh, it's, it's death, and Hades followed him, and power was given to them to kill a fourth of the earth, to kill with the sword, hunger, death, and the beasts. Now, while I'm not aware of anything specifically that would happen like this that would all be all involved in that. Now notice, too, it depends on how you look at these things. My understanding is these things should happen fairly quickly. Now if you think you have lots of time and these things shouldn't happen quickly, then that makes a difference, too. But my understanding of some of the verbiage here is that this was to happen soon or quickly, or both. In John's case, like John was saying, you know, shortly. It's going to happen shortly, or it's going to happen quickly, or both, maybe. So, so maybe this did happen to them back then, okay, maybe, but a fourth of the earth. I'm not aware of anything at that time that suddenly wiped out a fourth of the earth. Now, and because, um, 
it's of the earth. It's not of Israel. It's not just of Jerusalem. Now, and I'm 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 going to tell you that I tend to lean towards the Bible on things, not towards what everybody else says. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we could say that maybe some terrible disease, famine, black plague, something happened. Okay, and we could say, okay, maybe that is in the past. All right. The fifth seal was about martyrs, so I understand that that is in the that's in heaven actually and uh, that's something he sees there um, yeah under the altar so we'll go by that that's part of the vision and I cannot claim to know any kind of timeline on that the sixth seal we get to in chapter 6 this is the one that is the most troublesome to believe that it has already happened and I'll just read this to you quickly um, and the stars of heaven fell to earth as a fig tree drops. Wait. Well, some of this you could explain. Let me, let me read this all. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. That could have happened. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and, you know, an eclipse could occur. The moon became like blood. We've seen, we've seen red moons, or, you know, the moon turn very reddish. And the stars of heaven fell to earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. We could see a meteor shower. That's possible. Okay, that's, again, that's possible. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. That, if that had happened... Now we're talking, notice the words, every mountain and island, not some, not these here, but every mountain and island was moved out of its place. If that happened in their time back then or now, or any time between then and now, I'm pretty sure we would have some historic record of that, or our civilization would have restarted after that and we wouldn't even know anything about Rome or very little. I mean, so you, do you understand my point? If every mountain and every island, that implies that everything, you know, is really being moved, really being shook up. And it says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now, you can say all that is figurative, I guess, and symbolic, but then, because this is something that has not, as near as I can tell from historical reference, this has probably not happened. And then beyond this, there's the trumpets and other things that occur too that I don't believe that we can say has historically happened. Now, that's assuming that they are literal happenings, which when, I, when we go to the point where we say, okay, well, that's what the Bible says, but that's not literally what happens. Then I have to back up and go, but isn't that what the people thought Back in Genesis before the flood, didn't they think it was a bunch of what nonsense? And didn't they also not believe in the flood? And yet we know the flood occurred. So I worry that just reading everything and saying it's all symbolic and it's, you know, doesn't mean anything to us and it will never happen or that it's all already happened when we don't have proof that it has occurred, I worry that that will be um, the wrong way to look at it. Okay, But, on the other hand, I admit that that could be a possibility. You know, I, I don't think all these events have occurred. I, I don't know that they have. I don't know that they have occurred. I'm not aware of like an event like that is mentioned in the sixth seal, but I just mention it really as something to think of. 
you know, as we read further to the trumpets and the bowls, there's all these judgments. Have all these events occurred? I don't think so. If we get into some of those, and we will, I mean, I'm already, um, I have, I believe I have already got uh, some of these uh, podcasts and videos either ready or they're already out there. So, um, these judgments, are we saying all these have occurred? Um, I, I don't believe so, at least not the events the way they're described. I don't believe so. I mean, we're talking about things like a, a third of the ocean and, and the life and the ships being destroyed. And then some of it, as we read and get further, it, it gets even worse. And, and the ocean and everything is really, you know, destroyed, um, you know, if all that's really just symbolic, then I'm, I'm not sure if I understand the purpose of Revelation at some point, if everything is just symbolic with no real um, meaning. But I will say that it is possible. I do not know everything. I do not claim to know everything. But if we look in, um, I, I will tell you this. I do tend to lean on the side of the Bible. Okay, I do tend to, when there's a doubt, I tend to go ahead and take the Bible at face value first. And then, if other scriptures are there and able to be proven out as far as, you know, I'm taking it the wrong way, or, you know, if, or if there's historic documents that prove otherwise, that might be worthwhile. I want to go back to uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Now, we need to, I want to notice here what is going on here. Um, this is when John is first taken up to heaven. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. So come up here, and I will show you things that must take place after this. I, I don't think this is God trying to trick or fool us. I think he's trying to show us things or was showing John things that had to take place. So at least that's my understanding. Now this would all be at least in John's future. Maybe not in our future. I'm not, not sure. Then we look like at Revelation 5, chapter 5. And that's verses 8 through 10. Now, this is he, this he is the Lamb, Christ. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Well, there's a couple of things to notice there. Now, Jesus has redeemed us with his blood. But here they mention out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And at that time, at that time, the gospel had not had a chance to spread to every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So I'm not sure that we can say that this is applying to strictly just that time. Now, I'm not sure. Okay. Also notice that this says that, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, Jesus has made us citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We know that. That's not in dispute. That's not a doubt. We may not physically be in heaven right now, but we are citizens of heaven. We are spiritually a part of heaven. We're a part of the kingdom of heaven. But it says we will reign on earth. Well, when? When do we reign on earth? Are we reigning now? Have we reigned? Or... Is that to come at some point when, when there's going to be maybe a new earth? 
These are things to think about and things I have not finished reading Revelation, so I don't want to get too far out ahead of us, but are those things that we should look at. You know, there is a new earth that is promised. That's in uh, Revelation 21, chapter 21, and uh, verse 1. Now again, if you say that all of this is figurative or, or you know, symbolic, then maybe this isn't what I'm taking it as. But some things I take, because it's, like I say, I tend to lean to and trust the Bible. Um, I tend to take what the Bible says until, now I've not gotten here and read all this in great context, okay? So, so forgive me for that if this is a little out of context. I, we will get that corrected. But, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So, just there in the first verse, John is describing a new heaven and a new earth. Or, did I say that correctly? And um, that was after anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So, yeah, that's a new heaven and a new earth. So... I don't think that has happened. I have no reason to think that has happened or that that's in the past. I just don't. I, I don't. And I tend to believe the Bible over other things. Could I still be wrong in some way? I suppose it's possible. And I'm not done reading and studying all this. So we'll see. Like I said, I don't want to get too far ahead of that. And I don't want to get really speculative. Now here again, there's something else to think about. In Revelation chapter 7, in verse 9, and this goes back to something I mentioned a few moments ago too. This is the great multitude. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, you know, and they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They're praising God for being saved, for being brought out of this world in this life into heaven. And they are, again, they are a multitude that no one could number of all nations, of all tribes, peoples, and tongues. And yet, in Jesus' time, the gospel had not had a chance to spread that far. Now, if you said that it happened today, I would agree. I think it's. I think it has happened today. But if you go back and look at this, you know, the gospel had not spread out throughout the entire world at this time. There hadn't been enough time. And if you read Matthew chapter twenty-four, fourteen, the gospel has to be preached everywhere. Jesus said it. And that settles it. I, I'm not going to go anywhere else with that. He said, I'll, I'll take us back there. Um, he said the gospel will be preached everywhere before. Right. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So as far as an end time, as far as end of the world time, or end of the age time, because this is a, it's on age, I believe. Nonetheless, um, however you want to refer to it, that can't happen until that has happened. So, this has now happened, but it had not happened back then, and that really inc makes me inclined to believe that this multitude that John saw in heaven is something that occurs far beyond his time and could probably only possibly happen now or in the past, <clears throat> excuse me, or even in the past 50 years or so. Um, and maybe, maybe we've not even hit everything now, but I had thought that uh, we had, but maybe we haven't. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, the the vast multitude there, it can't just be, you know, Jews or Israelites or just a few um, Gentiles, you know, the gospel had not spread far enough. So that can't be, <clears throat> that can't be totally just all there is to it. I mean, there has to be some way. 
And, and I know you say, well, it's symbolic. It doesn't really mean that. At some point, I have to believe some of this means something, though. I can't just say that none of it means anything, that it's all symbolic. That's not valuable or useful. So, now, some do say, though, that all of Revelation is symbolic, and it's not literal, and you can't read it as literal at all. Some do say that, but I have to think, is that what people thought when Noah warned them of the flood, that it was not true, that it was no way that was true or going to happen? You know, God said and meant a literal flood at that time. That is what happened, and it was worldwide. Okay, the Genesis says that. There is no doubt that that's what it was. The flood occurred, and it was worldwide. So this, again, is what the Bible is saying. This is what God is telling us. These sound like real, literal events that will occur. If we look at, um, let's see, let's look at Revelation chapter 8 and verse 13. Notice what it said here. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Now in all these events, I have had some people say too that this did not happen on the earth or it did not, somehow it did not affect the earth. It was in heaven. But <clears throat> the events John is looking on from the viewpoint of heaven, from the throne room, are events that happened on the earth. If you look at the third trumpet, a great star fell from the from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. One translation of that is toxic. And uh, I think Wormwood... Wor bleh. I'm sorry, Wormwood. Uh, one translation mentions uh, in a note that that's uh, related to um, absence somehow. I don't know how that would be. Anyway, so a lot of what I'm looking at right now is the new King James Version. I've kind of backed up to that. So we're not getting anything strange. We're just looking at the scriptures the way they are as best we can. Now, and two, besides the fact that some of this sounds a lot like real events that will occur, and some of it does, okay? I mean, I can't remember, I don't know of any time that this happened, that the, a third of the waters became poisoned and people died. And there are, there are other, other trumpets, of course. Um, you know, a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died. Maybe you could say that that, happened at some time, but I'm not aware of it. That doesn't mean it's impossible, but I'm not aware of it. But, there again, if we look at chapter 9 in verses 20 and 21, these people never repent either. Let me find that. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor uh, of their sorceries, or their sexual immorality or thefts. So they did not repent. They were unrepentant. And that's that's a practical lesson in itself. If, if we are hurting ourselves with our sins and we're unrepentant and we never change. We're just making things worse and worse and worse on ourselves. Now that's a practical lesson I can actually draw from this is that we are really hurting ourselves in sin and hurting, making things worse and worse. But like I said, I've heard some say that these events didn't even happen on earth, but that does not really seem to be correct, and it does not bear up. If you actually do a search on Revelation, Earth is mentioned at least 50 or 60 times. Um, and this is events on Earth, or people on Earth. It's things like that. Now, I do not know that all of Revelation, or these prophecies, has totally occurred. Okay? I'm convinced, as Paul was, and as he said, that Jesus has not yet returned. 
So if we say everything has already happened, then does that mean Jesus has returned? I, I don't think so. That's not my understanding. Then, you know, I want to say if, if, you know, if I need to choose between listening or believing people and believing what I'm reading in the Bible, I am going to tend, I just want to say that again, I, I'm going to side with the Bible. Because what I'm reading here, in every other book and scripture of the Bible, okay, other, let's, let's leave Revelation out for a minute. The rest of the Bible, I can take it as either historic fact, it may not directly apply to me because it's a historic fact and it's things that happened, though I can learn lessons out of it and apply that to myself, or it is directions, instructions, and commands for me personally, directly. And I view a lot of the things that God and Jesus said to the apostles and to others as being also applying to us, that we should also follow those. And I believe that's correct. And I guess I struggle with the fact that we would say that, well, until you hit here, all the Bible is that way. It's either historic fact or it's instructions and warnings and teachings for, for you to take personally. And then we get to here at the very end and we say, well, this is all symbolic. You can't believe or follow any of this. Now, I admit we don't understand it all, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm perfectly accepting of the fact that I am limited and that I do not understand it all. And I think all of us should be willing to, to look at that and say, yeah, you know, we don't understand all that symbology maybe or all that imagery. But there are things that I think we can easily learn and, and take away from Revelation. Um, and some of these events may very well be things that actually happen in the future. I would not totally discount that. Because, again, we don't know. So I, I would not totally discount that. Um, when we read through the trumpets and the bowls and all these things that happen, I, I don't know that those events have already occurred. So, <clears throat> now, however, moving on away from, hopefully, most of that, <laughs> the kingdom of heaven, it is here in a spiritual sense. Now, I do not believe that everything has occurred and that we are living in the kingdom of heaven now. Not exactly. We are living... As citizens of the kingdom, we are living in the kingdom of heaven in a spiritual sense. However, I don't think any of us would deny that we are not living in heaven with God right now or with Jesus, our Lord. And if you notice, um, you know what? I don't remember which the end of which chapter it is. But at the end, maybe it's the chapter, I'm not sure if it's the chapter with the with the sealed, it might be. Hold on. Yeah. So if we go to chapter 7, and we look down at the end of chapter 7 here, um, and we're talking about these are the, this is the great multitude. These are the Christians that are saved out of every nation. And therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, in a very symbolic way, you could say that's happening. Now, okay, but only in a symbolic way. We cannot deny that physically, in a real earth, real world sense, that is not happening. You could only say that that is true symbolically. But I believe that this is supposed to represent what will be when we really are in heaven. So, you know, I don't think that's exactly happening right now in, in this way, in a literal way. I guess you could say that is what's going on symbolically. I don't know. I don't know. Um... Yeah, I, you know, because we're not in the throne room. We're not there uh, where John saw these people in the throne room of God. Yes, we go 
to God in prayer, so maybe we do have that access, and maybe this is all spiritual symbology. It's a possibility, but we are citizens definitely of the kingdom of God, of heaven. Okay, We will be there. I believe we will actually really be there in a physical sense, but we are not there yet. And I don't believe Jesus has returned yet. If he's returned, then we have a whole slew of other issues. And I would have to go back to look at what Paul has said about some of that. But I just, I've agreed with Paul in that I don't believe Jesus has returned yet. I do still believe that the Bible is God communicating to us, teaching us. I don't think it's meant to be difficult to understand. I think it's supposed to be fairly simple. And when we read the Bible, I know what at least 90% or more is pretty easy to understand. It's historical information. Um, sometimes those historical lessons are things that we can learn from that show us how we ourselves still are today. And then there's instructions and uh, teachings and commands for us to follow. So I think all that is simple and meant to be easy, easily understood. I don't think God is trying to confuse us. So I find it difficult when I get here to say that suddenly now God is trying to confuse us. I, I don't think that's the case. You know, God can always tell me if I'm wrong. It's okay. It's all right. That's fine. I'm not, not overly worried about it. I do hope all this gives you a clearer understanding that I'm, I'm reading to learn just as all of us should be. I do not claim to know anything beyond what is in God's Word. That's, that's what I'm going by. Like many people, I do not fully understand Revelation and all the symbology. I'm not going to claim I do. But I think there's still much that we can learn from it. And I don't think we need to be afraid of it, which is one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this when we got here. So I don't think we need to be afraid of it. Um, you know, in the end, Jesus and God are victorious. And my understanding is at least that we end up in heaven. So it sounds like a good thing to me. So, you know, let's, let's continue to read and learn what we can from Revelation and see what we can apply to our lives. You know, take the meaningful lessons from this that we can so we can improve ourselves and draw closer to God. And, you know, I don't worry about the end times and I don't worry about when Jesus returns. I can't do anything about those things except be prepared. I believe God will take care of us until it is time for us to go home to heaven. I don't think there will be any issue with that. God is extremely faithful and truthful. And he, he continues to take care of us. So, I hope, I hope that is helpful in understanding, you know, the intent of what we're trying to do and also understanding that all this, all this other, all this other doctrine and other things like that, I do not understand those and I don't claim to understand those. I am reading the Bible as it is. And unless, unless there is something that we know, you know, on, on some of these things, unless there's something we know for sure has already occurred, it's very hard for me to just say that outright that this has already occurred. Now, some of these things may have, and some of these things may not. And I just, you know, I just want to make sure that we understand that I'm not claiming any special knowledge. I'm not trying to prophesy our doom or the end of times or anything like that. But I'm reading this, and this is written as a prophecy. And not all of it sounds like it was really written for back then. It doesn't all sound like it was written to have occurred 2,000 years ago or almost that long. So I'm just going to continue to read it as it is written. And I'm going to try to still just take the lessons we can from it and continue on from, from that viewpoint so that we can, again, draw closer to God and improve ourselves with His Word. 
So that's my intent, and that's where I'm going to continue to go with this. Um, there is no way that I can think of that we can prove out any of this, whether it is symbology or actual future events, until it happens, if it happens. It, but it, it does make me think of the flood, and it makes me wonder if those people thought similarly, and then the flood was upon them, and it was too late. So, just in case any of this were to be true or were to happen, you know, we should sincerely continue our efforts to try to save as many people as we can. We don't want anyone to go through anything like this if it is real. And uh, normally, from my experience, what I've read and seen in the Bible, what God says is real. So that's, you know, just something to think about. All right. Anyway, I hope that's helpful to you. Hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And remember, God loves you.